The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Now a man was ill, Lazarus from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who had anointed the Lord with perfumed oil and dried his feet with her hair. It was her brother Lazarus who was ill. So the sisters sent word to him, saying, Master, the one you love is ill. When Jesus heard this, he said, This illness is not to end in death, but is for the glory of God. The Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was ill, he remained for two days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just trying to stone you, and you want to go back there? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in a day? If one walks during the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if, you, if one walks at night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. He said this and then told them, Our friend Lazarus is asleep, but I am going to awaken him. So the disciples said to him, Master, if he is asleep, he will be saved. But Jesus was talking about his death, while they thought that he meant ordinary sleep. So then Jesus said to them clearly, Lazarus has died, and I am glad for you that I was not there, that you may believe. Let us go to him. So Thomas, called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go to die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, only about two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary sat at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise. Martha said to him, I know he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even if he dies, will live, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord. I have come to believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, the one who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, secretly saying, The teacher is here and is asking for you. As soon as she heard this, she rose quickly and went to him. For Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still where Martha had met him. So when the Jews who were with her in the house comforting her saw Mary get up quickly and go out, they followed her, presuming that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here... My brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her weeping, he became perturbed and deeply troubled and said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Sir, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not the one who opened the eyes of the blind man have done something so that this man would not have died? So Jesus, perturbed again, came to the tomb It was a cave, and a stone lay across it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the dead man's sister, said to him, 
Lord, by now there will be a stench. He has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you for hearing me. I know that you always hear me. But because of the crowd here, I have said this, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, tied hand and foot with burial bands, and his face was wrapped in a cloth. So Jesus said to them, Untie him and let him go. Now many of the Jews who had come to Mary and seen what he had done began to believe in him. The Gospel of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, we are getting into the thick of it now, nearing the end of Lent, our fifth Sunday of Lent, wrapping up the, uh, the five weeks of going through these different temptations that we can face as we uh, near death. And this, this experience has not just been nearing a, an earthly death, but a death that we're all called to, to die towards, a death of self, a death of the world. And we do this so that we create a place for the Lord to fill, a place where the Lord can come in and bring us life. And so just as a recap, I started out with the, the first Sunday of Lent, Jesus' temptation in the desert, where we face doubt, uh, we respond with faith. Uh, next week we had the, um, I shouldn't have done that, all right. The first Sunday of Lent, doubt responds with faith. The second Sunday of Lent, despair responds with hope. Oh, that was the transfiguration. I remember now. Transfiguration. Okay. Third Sunday of Lent, the Samaritan woman, we, uh, when we face impatience, we respond with charity. Last Sunday, when we face pride, we respond with humility. That is the man born blind. And now today with Lazarus being raised from the dead, when we face the temptation of greed, the temptation to hold on to things, we respond with the, the virtue of generosity. Now the beautiful part of this gospel is that there's a, another task, let us say, that is presented to us, another opportunity not only do we see that in life, how we can hold on to the earthly things, but we can hold on to relationships, and we're called to surrender these. But in particular, there's a, a reality that Martha, Mary, and Lazarus had to endure in regards to Jesus. And they had to wait for him. We think about this idea, what does it mean to wait I think about, you know, different experiences in my own life. Like, what, how do I wait for other people? Do I wait with a joy? Do I wait with anticipation? Do I wait with anxiety? Do I wait with frustration? You know, if, if you were sitting here still and Mass hadn't started, you'd be waiting with some frustration, I imagine. And at the same time, if you arrived early, you're waiting with anticipation. There's this joy. I can't wait for Mass to start. So I, I, had, I had a particular memory pop in my mind as I was thinking about this. And I was in high school, and it was my junior prom. 
And that particular day, the guys had a track meet. And so we were out there, we're doing our events and everything. We finished up and the girls came and watched us and then they left early to go get ready. I was so excited to go pick up my date. I got to her house and she wasn't there. And I thought, where's she at? She was still getting her hair done. They, they were running late, and so we, we were there. Guys, were, we're all in our tuxes and everything, and the girls show up looking beautiful, and they're like, where are you doing her? We're like, ah. And so we had to wait. We had to wait for them. But there was this joyful excitement of waiting. It wasn't like, come on, let's go. Get your dress on. We got to go. There was an anticipatoriness of what's to come. And then seeing them walk down the stairs all done up, it was, it was wonderful. It was well worth the wait. In our own lives, Jesus gives us many opportunities to wait. And the question has to be, how am I using this opportunity to grow in myself? Could you imagine Martha and Mary, the idea that their, their brother is ill, he's sick, he's possibly dying, and they, they have this friend who can cure people, who does miracles, who can do amazing things, and say, we got to tell him Lazarus is ill. Now, granted, they live in a time where telephones don't exist, and so you send someone, it takes days to get there, and they're waiting. And when Jesus finds out about this, we hear Jesus loves Lazarus. This is the one you love. And yet he says something very important. And something he says about the blind man in last Sunday's gospel. When the argument about why was this man born blind, the question of his parents' sins or his sins, and Jesus says, no, it's none of that. It's entirely he's born blind so that God's work can be shown through him. And so he says the same thing about Lazarus. The illness is not to end in death, but is for the glory of God. So there's, like, there's that little knowledge there. But Jesus finds this out, and he deliberately does not go. Who in there, I, I don't think any of us, if we, if we had a loved one who was sick or ill or dying, and we got a phone call and we could go to them, we would wait. I'll be there in two days. I don't think we would do that. As a priest, when I get a phone call for someone who's sick or ill or dying, I'm there as soon as possible because I cannot delay the sacrament for them of, of anointing the sick. And yet, Jesus does just that. He causes them to wait. Could you imagine that time, that waiting? Where is he? What's he doing? Why isn't he here? And all the different feelings they experienced. And and within that, the fact that we start to cling on to the different things, that's where the greed comes in when we're dying. We're clinging to not maybe just worldly things, but to relationships, to people. You know, Martha and Mary, they love their brother, and he's going to die. He does die. So when he finally gets there, you know, Martha, she has some kind yet very stern words to offer to him. Lord, if you were here, he wouldn't be dead. Like, she knows what he's capable of. Same thing with Martha or Mary. If you were here, he wouldn't have died. And then they have this hope of the resurrection, but he says, but I'm the resurrection. I'm going to bring life to him. 
and actually this earthly thing that you consider so important, it's really not in the grand scheme of things. We hear that in the other readings that the spirit and the body are two, while one, two distinct pieces. Now when we die, the spirit separates from the body that the spirit is what goes to heaven or hell or purgatory. The body will come later in the second coming. So for ourselves, we, we are going through this experience here. The other thing is, and maybe you didn't know this, the fifth, fourth, and third Sundays of, of Lent are also called the scrutinies. And the scrutinies are, are designed and aimed towards those who are entered into the church, specifically our elect, those to be baptized. And they're meant to be for us this scrutinizing of our own lives, this examination of what in my life still needs to be purified, what needs to be removed or extracted so that when I come to the Lord at the Easter vigil and receive baptism, I am fully ready for him. And so again, what are we clinging to? What is the Lord inviting us to wait on, to surrender? And then that virtue of generosity, that pouring out and giving away, that's how we respond when we we want to hold on to something so tight. We actually have to say, okay, Lord, here you go. I give this to you. Martha and Mary had to surrender their brother Lazarus to God. In that waiting, Jesus also experiences his own humanity. Last night we had trivia for the school, which was a lot of fun. I think it went really well. And, of course, we had to do a Bible category. Why not? One of the questions was, what's the shortest verse in the Bible? And it actually is in this gospel. It's when Jesus wept. The humanity of the risen God, the humanity of the the living God weeps. And the divinity of the living God brings life. The reason they're so adamant about the timing of this is is important to Jewish culture and Jewish teaching because there's this idea that it wasn't until the fourth day that you were dead dead. Right? And you might think, well, what does it mean to be dead dead versus dead? Well, this there's this for so I'm not Jewish, but for whatever reason, they thought that when you died, there's like these three days where the soul kind of lingered. Right? Just kind of waiting there. It wasn't until the fourth day when the soul was like gone. And when that soul is gone, you're dead dead. So Jesus deliberately waits, causing his, brother, causing his friends to wait to, to experience what they experience so that they know he's dead, dead. So that his miracle is all the more impactful. Because he reminds them, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even if he dies, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. This is his promise to us. If we live and believe in him, we will never die. And yet, there's many ways that we can question this reality, this, this truth that he will bring life because this is the only experience we know of, this earthly one. I'm not sure many of us have encountered the heavenly experience and, and come back. So the pouring out, the giving away, the surrendering... This is the final temptation we, this is the final reality that we must face in the temptation of greed to cling and to hold on to. 
when the Lord wants us to die to this stuff. It's that final mark of like, ah, okay, I got to give this away. And so there's another beautiful word. It's, it's one of my top three favorite words. And the word is magnanimity. Say magnanimity. I mean, how can you say that and not have a smile on your face? That's such a fun word. Magnanimity. It means a greatness of heart, a pouring out of heart, to be magnanimous, to pour out. This tied in with generosity is so key for us because when I do the things, I don't just do them because I have to do them. That's, that's not ideal. But I do, I pour out, I give away, I surrender because it's the greatness of my heart. Little little side plug. Our principal, Abigail Stanley and I, were asked um, a little while ago to, to provide a podcast for um, an ep- uh, a show called uh, Spirit in the School. Uh, one of our other principals in the diocese hosts this, this episode, or hopes, hosts this show, and he's pulling in people from different schools, like, what's the spirit look like in our schools? And for some reason, he picked the two of us, which is beyond you or I, but then on top of that, he picked for us this theme, generosity, generosity and spirit. And again, why he picked the two of us, I don't know. But you can listen to that podcast on the parish website. Da, 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 da. So there's a little plug. The point is we have to pour out. We have to give away. And it can look like a lot of different things. And yet we can still struggle with clinging to things. And so there's something I want us to practice today. This is called uh, renouncing prayer. I think we've done this before. If not, this is your first time hearing it. It's really, really cool. Renouncing prayer is is something that all of us, through our baptism, have an authority to call upon the name of Jesus to renounce lies, spirits, ideas that can ruminate in our our mind. Uh, This is not, by any means, uh, confession. So if you need confession, that's its own separate sacrament. Highly recommend that. It's a really important one, really good. But this is something any of us can do at any time when we struggle with different, um, different challenges. The reason this is so important and so good is because at the name of Jesus, demons flee. This is something we, we see and hear about in Scripture. At the name of Jesus, the demons run and flee. So if I were to try to get up here and say, I renounce the spirit of greed, the devil would look at me and laugh because I can't renounce anything. But if I say, in the name of Jesus, I renounce the spirit of greed, those temptations can be eradicated. It's more of a tool than anything else to help us uh, root out uh, lies, intent, uh, per, lies specifically that can get embedded in our mind. And so we're just going to renounce a few things. So I just invite you to repeat after me. In the name of Jesus, I renounce... The desires for worldly things. In the name of Jesus, I renounce any materialism I cling to. In the name of Jesus, I renounce a spirit of greed. In the name of Jesus, I renounce misguided selfishness. And we could keep going. You could keep, like, listen things off on and on and on. We don't have time for that. But we also, this is the really, this is the best part. 
not only can we renounce things and get rid of stuff, but we can claim things because God is good and he has many gifts for us. Amen? Yeah, so we're going to claim some stuff. In the name of Jesus, I claim a heart open to giving. In the name of Jesus, I claim a spirit of magnanimity. In the name of Jesus, I claim your sacred heart. Yeah, it's so good to claim things too because when we empty out, we create a space to let him come in. It's like this whole dying well and living well, like I knew what I was talking about. <laughs> All right. So that's the reality of today. Lazarus' death, the purpose is to show God's glory, that it helps us to remember that we are called to wait on God. That can be challenging. That can have anxiety and frustration tied to it, but it can also have a great joy and anticipation. Lastly, notice how we have some things veiled in the church this Sunday. This is known as Passion Tide. And Passion Tide is the final two weeks of Lent. So it's the fifth Sunday and then Holy Week, where we veil crosses, crucifixes, uh, images. And it's meant to heighten our senses and build a longing within us for Easter. Think about when, when certain senses of our body are diminished, others kick into higher gear. And so we've reduced certain things of beauty to heighten a joyful anticipation of what is to come. In a sense, the Lord is about to go on a hidden journey. Right? And this final, this final couple weeks leading to his passion. And it's important to think about not just what we hear scripturally, but what is the Lord doing? Like, if this was 2,000-some years ago, and this was literally the, like, the two weeks before Jesus was about to be crucified, what's going through his mind? He knows what's coming. The disciples have been told many times what's coming. But are they really ready? Are we really ready for what's about to come? And this is an invitation for us to wait for the Lord, to wait on the Lord, to take any doubt or despair or impatience or pride or greed and to surrender those, to renounce those in the name of Jesus and to seek out faith, hope, love, um, humility and generosity. It's this transformational time for us. And so we have to seek that. We have to recognize that the Lord wants to bring life into us, that this death we've been experiencing will have an eternal life. Brothers and sisters, we are near the end. And at the same time, we are so close to the beginning. And it's important that we die, that we continue to die so that we can live. Because God has something amazing for us waiting. We just have to ask him. We have to be open. So may we wait well for the Lord.